Welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To podcast with me, Chris Grimes. A GLT with me, CG, which is a slippery slope to a G&T with me, CG. And we're recording, please. So, bang, we're in, we're recording, and today is a very happy auspicious and indeed joyful occasion because I've got uh, somebody who I perceive as being nothing short of a comedy legend. Mr. Tweedy Digweed or Tweedy the Clown is in the clearing. Hurrah! Hello everybody! Hello, good morning and awesome. Um, Why I think of you as being a legend of course is because you so remind me of a sort of childhood chime of my joy and love of Stan Laurel. My family over the last 17 of your 20 years at Gifford Circus have been coming to enjoy, normally at Minchin Hampton Common, uh, the wonderment of coming to see um, Gifford Circus, of which you are part of the sort of integral beating heart of same. I'm also aware that you've got quite a, um, a painful history this year because of the sad demise of Nell as well. Um, also, at the beginning of lockdown, you did the most glorious, poignant post on the interweb, which is about where does a clown go in lockdown? And I was just so moved by that. And then when getting going with the Good Listening To podcast, um, you very, very quickly became one of my sort of wish list, aspirational people that I'd love to speak to. And just while I'm blowing smoke at you, uh, and I promise you this is all very sincere, I saw another review of you um, quite recently where it said, Tweedy has the heart of a clown and and children notice that and I suppose it made me think of you know when when watching E.T. and the heart chimes when it's time to phone home I think children's hearts chime in your presence and indeed you remind me of my own childhood when I chimed with Stan Laurel which is why it is a great privilege to invite you here today so welcome to the clearing how's morale how are you Tweedy? Uh, well thank you very much for that marvellous introduction. Um, morale here is good. Um, we finished the, the feast, Gibbard Circus put on a dinner show. It was the only kind of way we could, you know, viably manage to do a show was by doing a dinner show. So it was amazing to actually be able to do a show. I didn't think we'd be able to do anything this year with COVID. Um, so that was great. It's a joy. We finished that a couple of weeks ago. So kind of a bit of downtime now, fixing props and um, working out new routines, ready for the pantomime at the Everyman. Indeed, and indeed, I came. To, I came, oh, easy. I, I came to the. There was a really beautiful comedy sound effect there. I came to the tea time version of the feast, and I was very struck with how you know social distancing was probably social distancing was probably quite painful because I know how much you like to get in amongst the crowd. But your virtual high five was something that was still able to be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it took a bit of getting used to. Um, yes. but, you know, after a few shows, it, it felt normal. Um, and then, you know, because the whole world's strange now and kind of interaction. But yeah, it, it took a little bit of getting used to, but it, it was fine. And it was, yeah, it was great fun. And uh, so I'm going to take you through the wonderful sort of metaphors of storytelling in welcoming you here to the Good Listening To podcast. So let's just get on the open road of that. So where, what is a clearing like for you, Tweedy the Clown? Um, it's got to be a circus ring, really. Um, yeah, 
it is the circus ring, my happy place, yes. Indeed. And uh, you were associated with Cirque Berserk, I know, before Giffords, but Giffords seems to be, you know, where your own heart has found a home, it would seem. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I spent, so when I first joined Circus, I was with Zippos for a number of years. Um, and I, when I saw the show, I knew Nell before she started Giffords. Um, when I first met Nell, she was a groom on, on another circus and we kind of mm. hit it off way back then. Um, and when I first saw, saw the show, I, I just, um, I loved it. I loved the intimacy of it. And I, um, when I was with Zippos, I wore the, the full traditional clown makeup, you know, yeah. the, the red nose and kind of the white mouth and things like that. But I was always more drawn to a natural style. You mentioned Stan Laurel earlier, who's a great hero of mine. And I always wanted to do more of that sort of vaudeville music hall style clowning. Um, and when I spoke to Nell about coming here and joining her show, um, we were completely on the same wavelength. One of the first things she said was, I, I don't want the big clown makeup. And I was like, that's great, because he said, do I? So, Wonder, and did you have your, did you have your um, sort of iconic red mop at that point already? I, I did, yes. So I, uh, initially when I dyed my hair red, actually, bizarrely, I first dyed my hair red when I was in Gloucester, um, in 1995, Christmas, I played the Leisure Centre in Gloucester. With that's not Service. that's not a part you playing the Leisure Centre, is it? No, that wasn't the role. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing the Leisure Centre. <laughs> yeah, we kind of we turned I don't know a hall in the Leisure Centre into into a circus essentially, and I first dyed my hair red. I think it was the Prince Prince of Wales pub. Um, because the caravan was parked behind the wheels pub and I dyed my hair red there. Um, so originally it was all long on top and I had little bunches that I used to wear. Yeah. And then yeah. one show I, I did this uh, routine with a giant birthday cake and I'd come in and of course I'd fall in it. And I'd do this kind of perseverance thing where I'd lie in the cake and it would get to that point where it gets a laugh and then the laugh dies down and then people are like, oh, what's going on? And then you have to hold it, you know, long enough that then the laughs start coming up again. Um, but unfortunately, one of the candles hadn't blown out. <laughs> it set fire to my hair. <laughs> the hair caught fire in the sack. And when I came off stage, the only bit that was left was the tuft at the front. And I was like, actually, that looks better. And, and that's how the, the tuft, red tuft came about. And that was back in... Um, 1996, I think it was. So that's I, how long I've had the... By the way, that, that reminds me so beautifully of a quote, which is, what's meant for you won't pass you by. So the fact your head set on fire that day, the fact you're in Gloucestershire, the fact you're behind the pub you mentioned, um, it was obviously meant to be in you finding your clown, that that was just, yeah. you know, you finding your moment. Yeah. yeah so there, there we are, and that's, that's how the, the tusk came about. And by the way, even um, our great love of Laurel and Hardy, did you gather it took them 12 years having known each other to find each other? And in fact, it was a burning incident. There was a burning incident where um, I think either Stan Laurel or, or one of the two were a stand-in for another actor who'd burnt himself taking a roast out of an oven. And that was why they were suddenly thrown together. So there's a sort of fire in adversity. And then 
Talking of fire, I've seen you fired out of a cannon many times to great hilarity as well. <laughs> oh, you sound like a Dalek, suddenly. Sorry, we... oh, sorry, sorry. This is really good. Oh, you really are funny. It, it just gone all Dalek-y, which I, 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 it is good, but it, let's keep going. Say something else. Um, well, it's fine, my oh. end. You, you, you're back. That was just a wonderful Doctor Who sort of quirky moment there. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, I can't remember where we were now. I, I was wibbling on about uh, fire, cannons, Laurel and Hardy, oh. ovens, you, re you yeah. dyeing your hair red. <laughs> Yeah, the, the cannon at Gifford Circus, that, that was kind of a very memorable moment. Um, and the director had suggested a couple of times about kind of doing it again. But the thing was, there really was no kind of safety plan at Gifford. If I missed that rope, because there was a tendency, I got fired at a cannon and then I'd catch this rope. Yes. There was no safety and, and if I missed the rope, I genuinely would have landed in the audience. So I'm not sure... How we even got away with it. I love that comedy always pushing the boundaries and indeed I know I can remember the exact moment where I thought you caught the rope and of course you caught the rope because that's comic timing personified that you'd catch the rope and in all in all the times you did it then I'm assuming you've, you've obviously you never missed it. No there was there was one close call where the cannon was slightly not in line so I came out and I had to go and like reach you know the side and catch it so that was a bit and by during the tea party of the feast, there was a, a bit of a bit of a sort of woo after the show had finished with the extraordinarily fast and frenetic roller skating act, where we could tell they were having a go at something to do with the technicality of the ramp that day. So I know it's always on the edge. Yeah, yeah, and, and that that's the joy of kind of circus and live entertainment. You know? Yeah, you don't really have that kind of that thrill and you know that feeling of, oh, it could go wrong when you're just yes. watching. But it's that lovely thing of always just being on the edge of, you know, comfort, risk, panic, just something being slightly on the edge of it could go wrong at any moment. Yes. And, and that's that's how the kind of the clan works so well in circus because you have that feelings of kind of anxiety and things and then the clan comes out and breaks that with... Yes. With because I think if you didn't have the clown there, you might end up with a nervous wreck by the end of the show. But you're, you're a very particular type of clown because you know, you know, clowns per se can sometimes have a bit of a bad press where it's just about being a, a bit of a, a twonk, you know, whereas just being a twonk for being a twonk's sake. Whereas what I, I notice you do so beautifully is you do absolutely make everybody resonate and you chime with all the parents. You've got lots of, you know... The, my whole extended family of me and my immediate family and then there's a squad of nine of us that have been coming for 17 years and I've sat in many many packed houses experiencing the great joy that you bring and uh, the most extraordinary thing I love and I need to ask you the question is is how's Keith today or Keith as you like to call him he's fine he's not in the world I don't even know where he is he oh, he's, <laughs> he's gone out for a walk <laughs> Just, just the sheer. By the way, you, you know, um, I, I really apologise if I interrupt you occasionally, but do you know what I love about Keith the Iron? It was just so funny to see you walking on stage with an iron and getting it to sit. And anyone who doesn't have this frame of reference, it's just you have a pet iron called Keith. And it, again, it reminded me of childhood because it, there was a real thing where people wanted pet rocks. 
So I could really relate to this idea of an inanimate object, which then becomes really iconic and precious to you. And I have seen, a, in researching before I spoke to you today, a montage of children just playing with irons, obviously when they're off, health and safety, la la la. But the idea of having this, this, this pet iron called Keith is such a lovely thing. Yeah, and it, it was purely, there was an iron in the bucket one day. It was back in, it was 2008, you know, and I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll take this out and play with it because it seemed a shame that it was being thrown in the bin. But it's actually a rescue iron. Um, that that and, makes and him even more. And is he? He's the he's the one and only and the original Keith. Then is he? Well, he, he's a bit like Doctor Who. Oh, he oh, okay. Yeah, he regenerates every now and again. He doesn't travel through time and space, as far as I know. But yeah, yes. he, he regenerates. That's what happens. I mean, someday, if you'll allow me, I'd like to adjust into you, Keith. Maybe there's a whole story of tra time travel, ironing out the creases of time, all that shablang. <laughs> so we're in the clearing, which no surprise, and, and I, I sort of expected but couldn't assume that your clearing for you would be the circus arena with all of its lovely straw lighting, its warmth and its, its ability to play, innovate, explore, clown around and all the stuff that you do. Yes, here we are. And here we are in the clearing. So if I may join you in your clearing now, what we're going to do is, uh, if you'll allow me, I'm going to bring a tree into your clearing, uh, Tweedy, and we're going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out in true Good Listening To podcast style. Uh, so your tree uh, and the apples take the form of this storytelling exercise that you're kind enough to think about. You're, you're taking me into a circus arena, aren't you? I love this. Is that, the, oh, you've taken, is that a rehearsal ring? Yeah, this is a practice ring, yes. Thank you so much for carrying the laptop to that space. That's even more precious. And and by the way, it's very even more rich that I can keep talking to you in that space now. Even though you've frozen <laughs> at this point. Come in, Tweedy. Have we lost you? I have to pause and fill for time until Tweedy can find a signal again. Tweedy, you have frozen. Oh. oh, no, you're back. You made a funny noise. Okay, no. I've, I've ditched that idea because I don't think the internet's going to be strong enough in there. We're, we're improvising beautifully. I love that. Okay, so within the, the, the circus ring, metaphorically and literally, that you've just shown me, there is a tree. We're back on the rails now. And um, we've flown out the cannon and we've grabbed the rope. We're back in the room. So it's a 54321 storytelling exercise where you've had five minutes or as long as you needed to think about four things that have shaped you three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention, and then one quirky or unusual fact about you, Tweedy, uh, that we couldn't possibly know until you tell us. So they're your apples to shake. Uh, where would you like to start going on the open road of that exercise? Uh, OK, let's go with the, the four. OK. Yes. So, so what's inspired uh, you? Oh, yes. Well, shaped you. Inspired? Sorry, sorry, it's wrong. It's shaped you. What, what are the four things that have shaped you? Shaped you. Um, so, so, well, childhood would be, would be number one, um, kind of obviously because that shapes everyone. Um, but I, I, was, I was really tiny as a child, um, so much so that they kind of put me in hospital when I was 16 or 15. Um, to kind of try and find out why is he so small. It turned out that I, I was just a late developer. I just didn't want to grow up. 
but kind of being small as a kid, it kind of it naturally kind of made made me a bit funny and kind of gave me that you know and you know people kind of be more sort of sympathetic or have empathy towards me because I was small and I I kind of think that had a big sort of impact of kind of shaping becoming a clown and who I am um, and also because as a late developer I didn't actually you know, hit puberty till I was about 17 or something like that so so I kind of I think that's helped keep the sort of child within me for, for well till now it's yes now. But, so that's one um another one would be um Haddo House Hall which is where I, I went to youth theatre there. So Say I, the name of that again. Sorry, you broke up slightly. Say the name of that again. Addo House Hall. Mm -hmm. um, so I grew up in Aberdeen, up in Scotland, um, and I went to youth theatre there. Um, and then and I sub subsequently got my first job um, in pantomime at Haddo House Hall. So when I left school, I, at that point, I knew I wanted to be a clown, but I had no idea how to go about it because, you know, there was no internet. So it was very difficult. Um, and then when I got off a of pantomime, it was just like, yeah, I can, I can make a living out of this, you know. So, so that was, um, that helped shape me. Um, so that's two. <laughs> Doing very well. Very well. Three. Um, <laughs> Three, three's got to just kind of be circus, um, both, both zippos, which I mentioned earlier, because that's kind of where I got my first job. So when I um, so I I knew I wanted to be a clown, and like I say, I didn't know how to go about doing it. And after doing pantomime, I I got a job at Butlins, being a red coat, um, and that was to save up to. Um, was it, to go to full time in Bristol, ah. which was Circa Media before yes. it became Circa Media. Um, so I was saving up to go there to do a, do a clown course, but then it went bust that year. So I so I never actually went. Um, but so what year that, would that have? What year would that have been? That was uh, nineteen ninety two. Oh, okay. So so yeah, I was at Butlins, kind of doing clowning, you know, trying clowning stuff out every week. That was a joy of it, was I could just go on the Red Coat Cabaret and do whatever I liked every week. And, you know, I did terrible, terrible things, but it was just <laughs> experimental. You know, you get laughs and sometimes people just go, what is this guy doing? Um, and during that time, kind of as personal research, I, I wrote a questionnaire to lots of clowns just to kind of try and learn how to become a clown. And... Um, I only got two replies. One was from a clown, Cirque du Soleil, who I, I didn't even know who Cirque du Soleil was at the time. You know, it's like, wow, one from Canada, that's nice. Um, and the other one was from Martin Zippo Burton, who's the owner of Zippo Circus. And he was clowning in the show at the time. And he said, the best way to learn is from other clowns and by doing it. And he actually, and he offered me a job. He said, why don't you come on the show and as an advanced clown, which meant um, I'd do school shows, you know, to promote the circus and 
I'd be standing on the street handing out leaflets as a clown and things like that. So, yeah, that's how it got started. I went there. And at that and... point, were you going down the route of trying to define your own clown face? Because I know there's a big sort of culture of coming up with your own iconic makeup. I'm so happy you don't have makeup now and the iconic tuft instead. But your journey yeah. to that, presumably with Zippos, you were having to go down that avenue of defining your clown or finding yeah. your clown. Because at the time, Zippos, you know, it was very much a traditional circus. Um, and like you say, you, you have to find your own makeup. And the thing with clown makeup is um, it's to enhance your facial expression. It, it dates back when circuses were huge um, and the people were really far away and the lighting wasn't great. And of course, you didn't have the radio mic. So, it, you know, it's, so you, people sat way at the back and still see read your emotions so it's a form of amplification of its day exactly yeah yeah and and that's why if you put the makeup on and it doesn't follow the natural lines of your face that's when yeah. it becomes gross and scary yeah um so yeah i i developed a, a clown makeup and i based it on a clown grok who's a is a big hero um and say that again grog did you say rock ck uh-huh rock yeah um he was like the highest paid um musical artist at one time and it's a fascinating story and there's video footage um of his whole act on youtube it doesn't it's not that funny now it's kind of dated a bit but mm -hmm. you can still see kind of the brilliance of him as a clown so i, I based my makeup on his and you can see my my egg because clowns. Once you register your makeup, you get paint it painted on an egg, uh -huh. and that's so. I don't know if it would work in court, but that kind of just says that's my my face. You can't copy it. They were on display at Wookie Hole, but I don't know if they still are or not. Uh, so your your egg is still out there, is it? The egg of Tweedy. Yes. Yeah. I, it was at Wookie Hole. Actually, it was. This time last year, it was in a in an art gallery in Bristol, but I don't think it's there anymore. And I'm based in Bristol, by the way. So your references to full time, uh, you know, circa media are all really resonating because it, it's my yeah. hometown. So absolutely. Well, it was in Bristol last year. There's actually a, a book, the Clown Egg Register. Okay. And it's just the book that's got photos of all of these and presumably you, that's an old egg because that was the zippo era whereas now if you had a new egg it would be what you are now yes which there's not really that much makeup i have i have meant to get one done but i haven't got i know you've got a tweedy doll you can buy so you've certainly got iconography that's out there <laughs> there's a tweedy, the tweedy toy and they've actually there's actually one in the um the vna they asked if they could have one so that, how so wonderful and quite that's right okay. too. Um, so, so yeah, that that's kind of how it started. I went, I went to Zippo's and I learned there. But I, what happened was in my first week, um, Zippo, who I'd say at the time was the main clown, got stuck in traffic. So I had to fill in on my first week, and he caught the end of the second performance. So I kind of became his understudy for that year, as well as doing the school shows. Good grief. Another um, wonderful coincidence. If he hadn't got caught in traffic, you wouldn't have got elevated to that sort of chance. And it's about windows yeah. of opportunity in life opening up. 
and even the opportunity That's... of your head being on fire is still an opportunity. And a wonderful thing about in adversity, what, what creativity can we glean from it? <laughs> So that, that's how it started. And it, and it was great training, although it wasn't kind of my intention to do the traditional kind of circus clown thing. It, I, yeah, I loved it. And I, I did learn a hell of a lot. Because So the next year we became a trio. And in kind of European circus, it, it was quite normal to have the white face clown, you know, with this sort of pointy hat. And yes. The really elegant sparkly costumes funnily enough there's not that many left now but i saw one last night it was a friend of mine with circus wonderland they were over at reading uh-huh and it, it's, it's just really nice to see that tradition still still going and by the way that's what is so precious about giffords and the fact that the legacy beyond now will live on and i know that it's lily rice that's running it now but it is such a beautiful thing of keeping a tradition of such wonderment and such magic and such kindness going actually because i know circus can have a bad rap globally because they always assume I, I say they but you know people who don't understand often can talk about cruelty to animals and all that type of stuff but this is such a magical thing the gifford circus space yes so, so yeah, it's it's great, and that so that that's how that started. So, and then you know, as I said earlier, I then came to Giffords and kind of made this my home. So that's that's three things that had shaped me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm missing. I need one more thing that shaped me. Um, by the way, if I may, just one thing about the first thing that inspired you, the fact you said you were, you were a, a sort of a late developer. Um, yeah. I read a review about you, which I thought that's such a beautiful review. It, was, uh, it, it described you as being sort of the Mark Rylance of clowning. And oh, you're yes. in good company because apparently his own development um, in his Desert Island disc, um, I, I remember being really very profoundly moved by the story that as a child, he was mute for many, many years. But that informed his acute ability to listen and my favorite favorite actors on this planet or, or clowns are people who are able to really really listen because it's about yeah. kindness and resonance and so the fact that you were called the mark rylance of comedy i thought was just such a beautiful i think that was a telegraph review dear if you didn't remember that the telegraph oh i i do that yeah that was quite bizarre because that was a review for my online show ah uh, yes uh, that was during the summer was it yes I'm completely shocked that the Telegraph would, you know, review an online kids show. But there we go. That it was a very nice surprise. And uh, just, just what was that? Like? There was a brilliant show, wasn't it, during the summer? Which is how you responded to "Where Does the Clown Go in Lockdown?" And it was with the Barn Theatre, wasn't it, that you did it? That's right. Yeah, it was. It was kind of literally the day after I did that post, they contacted me and said, you know, we're thinking of turning our theatre into a TV studio, is there anything you'd like to do? So, of course, I've always wanted to do a kids' show, and I've, um, I've had so many meetings kind of with the BBC and production companies. And the problem is, most of the things I do, you're not allowed to do on kids' TV. <laughs> Play with irons and things. <laughs> the rules and regulations. Um, so, so the show I made, Tweedy's Lost and Found, it, it would never actually be allowed to go on TV. So I, I had a great time, um, and I, and I did deliberately kind of do tricks and stunts that I knew they would never let me do. I thought, well, I'd be as well do them 
and again, because... and again, what a what a clown of your time you are, because it's all about you know how the spin on the Darwinian quote. It's not the survival of the fittest; it's actually the most adaptive and responsive. So you've had a summer of being really adaptive to the new world order, which I I think is an amazing feat. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I can. Yeah, I just embraced what what was there. I did quite a few Zoom shows as well, and um, and it's interesting just playing with Zoom and, and playing with. Zoom. The different perspectives that you have, you know, you can do a gag over here and then you can have props out of sight that you can yeah, yeah. bring. And um, so there's kind of all this kind of disappearances and appearances that you can have. Yeah. So it, it was fascinating to kind of have this new medium to play with. And just at the leap, and just at the leap-off point where you were about to evolve and explore, I, I, I say again, I was so struck with the poignancy of that very melancholic posting. Not that I think of you as being like that, but I think Nell had not been long gone. The pandemic had started, and then there was this sort of posting of where does a clown go during lockdown? Because you were supposed to be doing the hooli, you know. I know yeah. everyone was in place, and yet suddenly whoo, the wilderness is there. <laughs> Which, which also, by, which also reminds me of, of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. The idea of a, a troop of players in the wilderness, and then suddenly one day they appreciate there's no audience. So at what point do you stop wibbling onto the wilderness and you just stop? <laughs> but thank you for not yeah. stopping. You're keeping going. So, did you think of the fourth thing that has shaped you? What? <laughs> um, the, the other thing about that that post as well i offered them like birthday video messages yeah and and i couldn't keep up with them initially because families you know kids couldn't have birthday parties they couldn't meet with their friends um so there was all these kind of upset kids that they couldn't have parties so i got completely inundated with birthday messages which was amazing because people were extremely generous with donations i mean i said you don't have to donate because i didn't want you know, people that didn't have money not to have a message. You know, I just do all the messages and if they wanted to donate, they could. And people, yeah, some people are very generous. And um, so I kept, I was so busy during lockdown. <laughs> it was bonkers, but it was great. But also you're part of the fact that you your door, you know that idea of when one door closes, another opens, the fact you couldn't go to Circa Media um, because it shut down might have been like a slam door to many, but you just then went on the open road and that's when you got the ask with Zippo to, to go and start a bit of a training there, if you like. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting because I think, I think you can, you know, you can learn a lot at, at circus schools and workshops and things like that. But at the end of the day, I do think you just need to get in front of an audience and see what works. Um, people say all the time, they'll say, oh, where did you train? Did you go to Gollier? Did you go to Lecoq? Um, and it's kind of like, well, no, I, I did. I learned the same way that my heroes did, like Laurel and Hardy. And yeah, yeah. You just got on your comedy clown bike and just started riding that bike. And, and just tried and, and see what worked. Um, and I, you know, and, and people do kind of benefit from schools and things like that. But I, I just think actually it probably wasn't the right thing for me anyway. So yes. maybe just tell the door shut. And it, it's interesting also in life, some of our favourite, you know, success stories are when people have been slightly maverick. They've gone slightly against the normal route of stuff. So the fact you thought, oh, I'll go over here. 
instead is is just a really a, a way of finding your own path rather than trying to emulate somebody else's yeah um oh i i've thought on the fourth one i'm glad we waited <laughs> i think um the edinburgh fringe because um we we'd go to the fringe from school because i was in aberdeen we'd we'd have a weekend where we'd um yeah, go and see lots of shows, and the teachers would decide what shows we went to see. And this year, when I was kind of thinking, clown is is what I am. Um, we saw Circus Our Chaos, which was the French kind of. I saw that the sawing cars in half with chainsaws. I think I was probably there the same year. It's a bit like a sort of Mad Max of clown of yes, circus. Yes, yes, yes. I saw it. And we saw Circus Oz, and um, and we saw Avner the eccentric, um, and Avner was just like, that's what I want to do. It was just completely. It's a one man show. He got nominated for the Perrier that year as well, um, and just incredibly simple stuff, um, but just so well executed. Um, so yeah, having seeing all this kind of amazing stuff at the Edinburgh Fringe. By the way, I really loved what you just said about that's what I am. I was going to ask you, if you're at a dinner party, as we often are sometimes, and someone has no frame of reference for who they've suddenly sat next to, so it could be at a wedding or whatever, and they turn to you and say, what do you do? If someone has no frame of reference, what, how do you answer that, Tweedy? I, I, do, I do say clown. Um, but obviously... It's kind of a, it's always a battle with with clown because I I always say to clowns we need to reclaim it because it's just got so much negative negative kind of connotations to it now you know first of all it was just clowns aren't funny and then the whole kind of horror clown thing yes and it's called cholerophobia isn't it the fear of clowns yeah that's it yes oh, yeah um, so I'm. But I, I, I love the word clown, and I don't think there's a better word to describe, you know, what it is. Because, but not a lot of people know that the true meaning of the word. And, and what I so love about that, linked to the word vaudevillian, it's this idea of, I mean, Stan Laurel for me, and, and I promise you resonating with you, when I was seven years old and living in Uganda... Stan Laurel came onto a black and white TV set and he was the first clown vaudevillian comedian to just completely make me stop in my tracks and just be gobsmacked with, with the, the, the chime of kindness, humility, warmth, innocence. And it was just beautiful. And it's this idea of, I mentioned this heart chime that you feel when you watch somebody who's totally in their zone. Yes, yeah, so that, and, that, and that to me is what clown is. And that's what I want kind of everyone to know that that's what clown is because it's a beautiful word as well it is you know and it and it should be used for that and not you know at the moment it's, it's you know boris johnson bozo the clown and it's to me it's yeah. like no not a clown stop it he doesn't deserve <laughs> stop it, it. <laughs> yeah. so, well if, if i may that makes the clown thing dirty that's another of your catchphrases i know it's dirty you don't want it to be dirty <laughs> And I, I, would, I would like to kind of reclaim the word clown because otherwise, you know, you go, oh, I'm a physical comedian and it sounds... Yes. 
it, it doesn't it doesn't describe what what I am. I don't think. You know, people go, oh, what you're a comedian, so, you know, and that is just kind of confusing. But I do have to then explain, you know, when they say I'm a clown, and then they go, oh, you do you do kids parties? No, no, not really. I mean, if you say circus clown, people kind of get it a bit more. And, and but if it's helpful, I just love the fact just state the truth. I am a clown and then let the silence sit there because actually you keep coming back to the clearing to the circus arena of you are you are you are a clown and that's a total yeah. compliment yeah and and that's that's kind of how it felt when i kind of realized that that's what i wanted to do it it was a moment of kind of realizing that's who i am rather than that's yeah. that's the or that's the career that i want to take it just made sense of kind of my personality and kind of all the kind of natural things i mean not everyone it's it's like you know there's those clown and there's those that are clowns and i feel that you know it is just kind of who i am it is part of me yeah um and you know it's not to say that one's better than the other you know yes people that are very serious in real life like Rowan Atkinson you know yes he's very serious in real life but he's fantastic clown yeah, um, yeah. but for me it's just it's just a natural thing and uh, one of the questions I want to ask you later is who your absolute comic heroes are I know we've had Stan Laurel we've got Zippo you've mentioned Rowan Atkinson there uh, I know Lee Evans came to see you at one point and he is from Bristol originally I think as well and um Back in the day, I remember seeing him and Bill Bailey on the same bill. So I'd be intrigued to know, you know, who else. And I was at college with Bill Bailey way back when. So <laughs> all these wonderful connections. Yeah. So thank you for remembering the fourth thing. So we've shaken your tree to get what in what has shaped you. And now, if I may, let's get into uh, three things that inspire you. Three things that inspire me. Um any kind of physical comedy um yeah anything that's kind of visually funny it's just which is I, slapstick I, slapstick slapstick yeah absolutely yeah which i love love to watch and kind of inspires me um music inspires me um and what would be the third thing that inspires me i get very inspired when i go running Ah, okay. I think because it kind of clears your head and, and driving a bit sometimes as well, but that can be dangerous. Cause you... <laughs> the way you drive. <laughs> you forget where you were actually going. And then, well, I do that when I'm running, but it's not as dangerous. I'll suddenly mm -hmm. go, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like 20 miles away in <laughs> the middle of nowhere. So that's your big fitness kick is going running, is it? Yeah. Your happiness Because my knees have been playing up since the feast and doing the slack rope um but yeah I, I i love to go running and that kind of clears my head and i i usually get lots of inspiration whilst out running lovely by the way there was a ventriloquy um act bit of beautiful comedy business i've been really struck over the 17 years of seeing you how much new 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 comedy business you come up with i know you may think it's all water from the same well but i i thought the ventriloquy ventriloquist segment of the feast was one of the funniest things i've seen in living memory i thought it was fantastic oh thank you yeah that that's a lot of fun i mean new 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 it's kind of it's, it's old 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 it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not to say that 
is kind of looking, I look back to look forward a lot of the time. I, I learned a lot from um, a comic acrobat called Johnny Hutch. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You know Johnny. Uh, the name so, is familiar, and I think I've seen some clips of Johnny Hutch. Yes, an amazing physical comedian. He ended up, um, he became Benny Hill's new little... That's man. who he was. Yes, yes. The, the slap. So the, original, tap, tap, tap. the original one, Jackie, I can't remember his last name, he passed away. And then, so for the last couple of series, they got Johnny in. And because Johnny was also an acrobat and could do all the slapstick, it then kind of became more physical. But he... Um, he used to always say, the most original person is the person with the longest memory. <laughs> that is a great quote, Tweedy. Thank you. Just say that again. That's beautiful. The most original person is the person with the longest memory. So no, su no such thing as an original idea. I love that. Yeah. Because um, he'd, he'd always go, you know, as a kid, I, I was brought up in the music halls and I'd watch every act from the wings. And he'd always go, that was my schooling. That was my schooling. He'd always say, say that. And he'd say, you know, and he'd tell, tell us about kind of old acts and things like that. And it's like, if nobody remembers that act and then they see it, and they're like, wow. And even if it, you know, it's not it's not stealing an act because you don't really know what they did. You just kind of yeah. get what he, he said. And it's great to be like you say is keeping tradition alive still you know yes like kind of old ideas and things like that um so yeah so you can add johnny hutch to the heroes list as well very good um and by the way i'm loving the direction this is generally going we're still shaking the tree anything else that inspires you there must be but <laughs> It's just like, well, it might suddenly come back to me in due course. No, take it back if you need to. So now we're on to th two things that never fail to grab your attention. And there's a slight pressure because you've already mentioned stuff like slapsticks. I'm, I'm having to get you to ring out your brain a bit more now. And they don't have to be distinctly different. It could be that these are all variations on a beautiful theme here. So uh, there's no great test. You won't have failed if you don't give us two new, new things. Um, any any kind of good theatre always grabs my attention. Mind you, that's not grabbing your attention because you have to sit there for an hour. It's not really uh, that's about if it keeps your attention, which is what defines good theatre, isn't it? If it can keep your attention, then they're onto something. Yeah, and... Any kind of good circus act as well will grab my attention. Um, and there's been a complete, wonderful, eclectic, wonderful mix of extraordinary acts within Giffords, actually. Again, I'm, I'm intrigued where, you know, who who next? You know, it's always a wonderful thing, the surprise element. By the way, I think you and Nancy Trotter as a sort of double act, whether you are definitely one or, or I know you enjoy working together, but that's always a joy when you're both in the show together. Yeah, yeah. Nancy will be back um, next year for the Huli. She should have been, you know, on on the Huli this year. Um, so yeah, we're, we are kind of trying to think up some new bits to do together for this year. I'm not sure if we'll top the um, the bungee number that I did the last time we worked, where I ended up removing a dress via via bungee cord. Via, via bungee cord. We. But, uh, I... we'll, 
Of course, we've all done it. We haven't really. I saw you do it. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that, so that's the development of that act. That's how it started. So yeah. I, I want to do bungee and then take Nancy's dress off. And then, so that was a starting point, um, yes. which was... I can imagine you selling the day you sold the idea. I've got this idea, Nancy, where I'm going to whip your dress off with a bungee cord, and the rest is history. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Cal McChrystal is is amazing comedy director. Yes, um, you know, he instantly loved the idea. <laughs> he, you, you were pushing on an open door. You had me at bungee cord dress, Nancy. Great, fantastic. <laughs> Yes, and I'm, I'm aware that Cal McChrystal has become the sort of in-house director of Giffords, hasn't he, as well? He's found the clearing, too, of the circus arena. Yeah, it'll be, I think he's coming up for his 10th year soon. Mm -hmm. So uh, he grabs my attention. Here you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, so it was great. It was great when Cal came on board, because obviously we're completely on the same wavelength, because, you know, physical comedy is his his forte um, and I'd, I'd actually I'd wanted to work with Cal and email Cal a long time before like quite a few years before he came here and it wasn't even my suggestion that that he came and directed so when I heard it, it's like oh Cal's coming for me possible director I'm like what yes really? bring him on yeah <laughs> So, I think yeah. I, I know he's done many, many things, but um, was it the servant and two, uh, the governors and one, sort of... one man, two governors. Thank you so much. Kind of his, his big, his, his big, big break. One, yeah. Um, he, he also done like the Paddington movies. He did all the comedy. Yes. For them, and he had a little cameo in there as well. Um, By the way, I'm, I'm very delighted because both him and you are sort of slightly connected to this uh, comedy group I've been doing online called Hashtag LOL Virus, which is to spread a little happiness during adversity. So like you and he, you're both connected to me on, as friends on Facebook, which I'm sort of quietly very chuffed about. So thank you. <laughs> so anything else that grabs your attention? Um, probably, but not at the moment. Lovely. And, and by the way, um, I, I have to ask and mention, you know, the, the, the beautiful relationship you did have with Nell Gifford. Is, is there anything else you'd like to say about that whole really poignant story? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very strange um, feeling now, obviously, with her, with her not here. Um, but we were so pleased to get the feast up and running because we knew that that's what she would have wanted. Like yeah. she would always say, and she spent like the last kind of two years painting. That was kind of, a, a, I think a sort of therapy process that she did. And she'd always say, keep the circus going. And that was kind of, would be written in a lot of her artwork. So to be able to keep the circus going in a, in a different format, in a, in a different time, really, in a whole different world. Um, and, and you're so beautifully positioned all of you because of this notion of vaudeville and playing it forward going into the past to play it forward i love that um profound messaging that manifests through her art then and i saw quite a lot of it on instagram the idea of um of, of keep the circus going and, and i'm so so happy that, that obviously you're doing that yeah and it's you know you her, her, her presence is everywhere you know it's um it's kind of I mean, I'm surrounded by it because I'm here now at the farm, but 
it should completely keep on going, you know, keep on living through the circus and through her art. And um, yeah, she kind of feels like she'll always be with us, really. And for those that don't know the story, of course, she, she and Totty Gifford started this about 20 years ago. And uh, it's Lily Rice is her niece, isn't it, who's now taken yeah, on the, the, the mantle of the Queen. And you've still got the mantle of the Clown, obviously. Yeah, so there's there's kind of a few... Um, the, the circus has essentially gone to the, the children, to Red and Cecil. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, so, so I guess the kind of the hope would be that they'll maybe take over when they're old enough, if that's what they want to do. So it's it reminds, kind of, you know, it, it it's reminds me of that, it, sorry, it reminds me of that beautiful line that I, I so love in Monty Python when uh, I think Michael Palin and Terry Jones are by the curtains in um, it, it's the Holy Grail. And he says, someday, son, all this will be yeah. yours. And he goes, what, the curtains? Yeah. No, not the curtains, you daft apeth. So the Gifford Circus is on the lawn for the children if they want it. Yeah, it's kind of been... Lil Rice is kind of um, producer and there's a, a board of directors uh, yes. as well to kind of, you know, keep it going. And then, yeah. And, and long may it continue. Um, now, we've, we, we're nearly finishing shaking your tree. So now we've got uh, one quirky or unusual fact about you. We already know that you've got an iconic pet iron called Keith. Um, at some point, I'd love it if you'd sing me just because you can the I've got a lolly song because my children and I just love that. <laughs> but um, is there a quirky or unusual? What, are you going to get a lolly? Yes, please. So think about that. I haven't got a lolly. You've not got a I wish I had one because I'd be able to go, I've got a lolly. You haven't got one. You're such a loser. <laughs> Lovely. So a quirky or unusual fact about you we couldn't possibly know until you tell us. Uh, uh, what's my middle name? Well, I know that you're Alan Tweedy Digweed, so I'm guessing Tweedy, but that's wrong. What that's is your... wrong. Yes. By the way, when I Alan Tweedy Digweed sounds a bit porridge, Norman Stanley Fletcher. And when we first spoke last week, I said, how shall I talk to you? Shall I call you Tweedy or Alan? He said, oh, no, 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 no. Definitely Tweedy because I'm in trouble with my mum when I'm Alan. <laughs> I love that. They're the only people that call me Alan. My parents and my mother-in-law. So, yeah, because it's like I said, I'm naturally a clown and my clown character is kind of me excited. So if I'm out and about and I get a bit excited, it's pretty much the same thing. Well, there. So but, what is your yeah. middle name? Sorry. Yes. Sorry, I, it, the sound went. What is your middle name? What? What is your middle name? The sound went. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. What? No. What? <laughs> I was saying, what is your middle name? Because the sound went dead. Is it Tweedy? No, what? What? Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Is, oh, <laughs> what? What? Yes, what? Yes, yeah, so we'll just leave that there and just have the mystery of what is your middle name. Is yeah. I get it now. Sorry, I'm being very slow. Yeah, it has, the has the sound gone altogether? Are we still in the zone? No, Can I you, hear you. I'm loving that. And thank you for teasing me. I love that. <laughs> so I think we've shaken your tree. W-A-T-T. Alan Watt Digweed, stroke yes. Tweedy. Yeah, and it also means the tartan I can wear is Watt Tartan. So if I have a kilt on and people go, what tartan's that? 
we go into the same routine. <laughs> yes. Lovely. And I'm so monumentally sorry for being so thick during that moment when you were telling me or trying to explain that your name was oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so we've shaken your tree. Now we're away from the tree, back into the circus arena clearing. And we want to talk about alchemy and gold now, which may I say you've been giving me that in spades anyway. But when you are at purpose and in flow, what is it, Tweedy, you most like to bring to the world? joy and happiness and laughter yeah um it's yeah it's, it makes sense really doesn't it, it <laughs> why does. why would you bring these things um and that and that's what and that's what doing the video messages during lockdown was great because it just it did just feel like kind of spreading this joy and happiness and that's normally how we start videos you know spread a bit of joy happiness and laughter to you all during this time um so yeah it's just it's a great thing and it's it's, it's a joy to kind of do that as well beautiful and then finally i'm going to award you with a cake if i may uh, tweedy and yeah. i'm not going to slap it in your face which you might be expecting but instead it's your opportunity now as the sort of legacy of this beautiful conversation to put a cherry on the cake. And it yes. can be a metaphor that's open to your interpretation again. It can be the best piece of advice you've ever been given. It could be what advice you might give to your younger self. It could be a favourite thing that's been said to you that you've never forgotten. However you'd like to interpret that, the cake is yours. What cherry would you like to put upon that cake? Oh, James, all the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm I'm going to finish with a philosophical saying of if there's no one in the forest and a tree falls, do all the other trees point and laugh at it? Lovely, beautiful. And by the way, thank you so much for joining me on the Good Listening To podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Mr. Tweedy Digweed? <laughs> Perfect. So listen, thank you so much for taking the time. You've been listening to Tweedy on the Good Listening To podcast. Thank you very much indeed. Good night. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to the Good Listening To podcast with me, Chris Grimes. If you've enjoyed the programme, then please do subscribe on all the usual channels. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the programme too, and I'm hosted on Buzzsprout. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do, and then on Twitter and Instagram, at that Chris Grimes. Also, if you'd be interested in having some coaching from me to help you level up your confidence, your personal impact, or your brand, then contact me via email, chris at second curve.uk so until next time thank you for listening and goodbye <laughs>